What's up, college baseball fans? Welcome to another episode of the 11.7 podcast. We are here recapping weekend number two and all of the craziness that went along with it. I'm going to start the show by thanking our excellent partners at Homefield Apparel and the team of the week. This is going to be like a new tradition that we do. We're going to pick a team of the week and show off the merch that Homefield has. So if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel where we're going to actually do a little share screen action. And boom, you guys can see that. So TCU, Horn Frog, Sweep, UCLA, and they have some fire merch on homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code CWS24 for 15% off your first purchase. Now, I love this, like, gray script right here, uh, or the gray shirt with, like, the frog's script. I'm just a big cursive guy. But if you don't like cursive, they have some awesome cartoons, unique drawings, hoodies, crew necks. This one's sweet. Froghorn. Don't know what it is, but it looks cool. And then you have, like, the classic horn frog look. So, Wait, go back up to the top. Oh, whatever. I just closed out of it. Which one? Which one did you like? The first couple at the top. I don't remember them now. Yeah, I liked the Letterman jacket at the top. I that, was, that was cool. Yeah, like the bomber jacket. That one's Sick. sweet. Yeah, yeah, that one rocked. Yeah, so congrats to TC. Hey, who would, um, who would who would your other teams of the week be? Oregon State and Arkansas? Are yeah, they I mean, I watched of the week. I mean, Hagen Smith was player of the week, and he plays for Arkansas. We'll we'll dive into that. We won't touch on that right now. But what he did. Well, against the Oregon only reason State, why. The only reason why I brought that up is because we got to do our own team of the week, 11.7 merch. Look at that. Defend the dam. Defend the dam. Comfort color. Beavers on it. Big old sick graphic. And then we got this one. I don't know if you can see it right now. <laughs> hey, turn around a little bit. Just, just hop up. Oh. There you go. Look at there. For those listening at home, Dimitri's doing his best. Defend the light. Boy, you're not flexible at all. No, dude. I'm in a chair that's like a big old love seat chair. Like, it's hard to turn around right now. Yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah, we got our own merch at 11.7.com as well. That includes like trucker hats, hoodies, uh, T-shirts, unique designs. It's a really cool place. So if this is the first time you've ever listened to the pod, we do things a little bit different on Sundays. It's coast to coast, talking about the biggest storylines, the most viral moments, teams of the week, player of the week. Uh, we recap the whole weekend from start to finish. And at the very end, we'll preview the midweek, uh, which the midweek's pretty loaded this week. I'm excited about it. Um, and Sunday nights, we also release our mid-major power rankings, which we power rank the top 25 teams in non-Power 5 conferences, so that's everything that's not SEC, ACC, Big 12, Pac-12, Big 10. And a lot of people, again, we got a lot of new followers this week, so I just want to break it down one more time. A lot of people say, hey, the Big 10, not a Power 5 conference in baseball. Well, guess what? Just go look at the athletic budgets and look how much they spend on baseball. It, there's a huge gap between the Big 10 and the next conference, which right now is battling between the American and the Sun Belt. I mean, it's just a huge, it's millions and millions of dollars per team difference. So we keep it mid majors, just teams that aren't funded like the Power Five. 
number one this week remains the East Carolina Pirates after their big weekend series win over North Carolina. That Today's game was one of the best games I've ever seen, especially regular season. Demetra tweeted about it. I mean, that was super regional vibes. That was Texas, East Carolina, super regional vibes from, what was that, 2021? No, no, 2022? Yep. Because 2021 was when East Carolina played at Vandy. That was a sick super regional, too. But, uh, yeah, so East Carolina, number one, followed by, like, Dallas Baptist, UC Irvine, Indiana State. I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but... In Campbell. Campbell. Now, Campbell has an argument. Because Campbell has beaten UC Santa Barbara in a weekend series, and they did beat East Carolina in the midweek. I personally, I think it's a toss-up. But what well, we had to do was who would win a weekend series, East Carolina cool. or Campbell? The midweeks are great, and it was a back and forth game. That game was awesome this past Tuesday. But who would win in a weekend series? I think it would be very close. I think home field advantage would play a big factor. But if Campbell and East Carolina did a home, home, and neutral site right now, I would probably lean East Carolina. And that's just 100%. the truth. Now, 100%. there's arguments for both sides. So don't get too, don't get too mad, Campbell fans. Um, yeah. I lost no, hey, name. by the way, do I sound better if I hold the mic up here like this? Yeah, you do sound better. Okay. Some people are busting my balls over talking to the mic, talking to the mic, you big bozo. <laughs> yeah, there's that one burner account that gets after you. That's funny. Um, but yeah, I think the argument is there to be made for Campbell. But I, I like I said, it's about a the game of baseball. It's a three game series. That's the win and the loss. One game. Now, hey, if Campbell wins the season series, they will 100% be in front of East Carolina. Obviously, depending on their season, how their seasons go. But yeah, I mean, if you look at that top 25. I don't know if you can put Campbell in front of Indiana State or Irvine or Dallas Baptist right now. Those teams are on another level. I think you could look at the top 12 teams and say these are Omaha caliber teams. Like all the way down, like, because you have UC San, oh, I guess UC San Diego will not be an Omaha team. They're not eligible for the postseason. That still gets me pissed off. But uh, you got Troy, Coastal Carolina, UC Santa Barbara, Northeastern, Southern Miss, even Charleston, 7 0. And Jack got to call the Charleston game today. Uh, I mean, the boys look good. They can really pitch. Guys, we were seven and two-thirds of perfect baseball. Hand up, did not jinx it. And I felt like I had the obligation to let people know, since it's Flow Sports, you might just be tuning in, that we had a perfect game. Didn't blame it. Connor Campbell was electric for seven two-thirds. We had a, I've never seen a perfect game in person before. It was, it was pretty electric. But, uh, yeah, the, the Cougs can always throw it. That was never a doubt. Yeah. Um, hey, fun fact – I think it was Randy Johnson's perfect game in Atlanta. I was there. No shit. When, oh, when I, he was uh, on the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Was that like 2002, 2003-ish? I was that's there. A, wow, dude. I mean, I was a little kid. Crazy. I was a little kid, but I still I still remember it. It was, that's it awesome. Was, it was just a random – I think it was just a random weeknight, weeknight game. My mom's company had some tickets. wasn't even half full. The stadium wasn't even half full. And – yeah, all of a sudden it was one of the most iconic games ever. Randy Johnson's perfect game. Yeah, that was like past his prime too. He ended up throwing a no hitter, I think, a couple of years later for the Yankees. Yeah, like wh yeah. when he was way old. Uh, hey, speaking of Randy Johnson, USC is so bad. Like, I know he played at <laughs> USC, 
uh, the Trojans, they're so bad this year. <laughs> People were hyping them up. Dimitri was the first one to say, uh-uh, these boys are not going to be good. There are a couple teams that deserve the F word that are flying around. Ben, one of them that you've kind of snuffed out as well. I don't want to throw around the word fraudulent yet, but Iowa sneaking into that category too. Dude, everybody was freaking about, out. Everybody was talking about Iowa's pitching, Iowa's pitching, blah, blah, blah. And I said, guys, I mean, Brody Breck's not going to throw seven and two thirds, eight innings every time he goes out there. Like he's a five, six inning guy. After that, I don't trust their bullpen. You know, Marcus Morgan's a great Saturday guy, but after he gets done, like who's going to come in? I mean, they gave up. I think close to 50 runs, maybe 50 runs this weekend, a bunch of runs. Wait, and what happened? I didn't even follow the, that tournament at all in Jacksonville. What happened in Marcus Morgan's start? Because all I remember, it was like 10 to 9 in like the seventh inning yesterday. Yeah, all I know is I bet the under 14 thinking it was a lock, and it was like 7 to 7 in the third inning. Did so Mor Marcus like, Morgan, got, he got smacked around, huh? I, I didn't watch too much. I was more scoreboard watching. And uh, so I can't say anything about his start, but yeah, the Iowa pitching staff was terrible this week in Jackson. I'm gonna pull up the box. They go zero and three. They blow like an eight-run lead to Wichita. Um, get smacked by Auburn. Like it was just a bad weekend for the Hawkins. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. If I would call them frauds. I just think that they were overhyped. Like I said, preseason said so they should not be a top twenty-five team. I think Indiana's way better. You did. You said it from the jump. I, I watched a little bit of it. If you're going to pull up the box score, my guy Darren Vaught was on when, was on every single broadcast this weekend, all six games. He absolutely He's it. awesome. He's oh, a great God, broadcaster. So good, he, hey. he, you guys have never listened to him. He, he does all of East Carolina basketball, but he does the ACC baseball podcast as well. But he sat next to Cal Peterson. He crushes, man. But, uh, dude, Wichita State was the – Auburn, your Omaha pick. Hey, mighty. we need to get – Mighty bad, but also Wichita State, who lost like 31 dudes, first year head coach. They were really impressive too. Like, dude, they hit some yabos this weekend. They were a lot of fun. Um, I will. I got to give. We got to give Auburn credit where credit due. That's a good baseball team. I think they're still playing right now against Virginia. No, they just lost. They, they lost six lost four to Virginia. Virginia. Okay, great. That was a great game. Six four. Virginia took the lead late. Um. But I think that's a really good team. I think that's a top three, four, top. I would say top four, top five team at, at worst in the SEC West. I mean, yeah, the West. Um, like seven teams in the West? There's only like seven teams. <laughs> you got Ole Miss and Mississippi four, State below four, them. Sorry, LSU, Arkansas, LSU, Arkansas. Um, Texas A&M. Texas A&M and then Auburn right there. No, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good team. Top five team. I do think they're, they look good, man. That's that's gonna be a fun Omaha eight to highlight and pull the receipts, pull the clips. Benny Boy called it first, dude. Yeah. Um, I also said I also said Georgia, Georgia Tech, and Indiana will all be really good this year. Nobody was talking about them, and here we are. I know it's only two weeks in the season, and obviously this means nothing. Uh, nothing, nothing even matters until conference play, anyways. But I, I did feel pretty strongly about those four teams that are just flying under the radar. Um, but I also said Louisville would be good, and they're trash. Yeah, Louisville dude. is so bad. St. Bonaventure? Yikes. Well, hey, the Yikes. A10, A10's locked and loaded this year. I've been trying to tell the people, but Louisville's not good. <laughs> yeah, uh, Louisville's not good. So, anyways, um, let's talk about Club Bromaha real quick. We're only 10 minutes into this. 
the people that need they need to know about how successful Club Bromaha was on Friday night. Jack hosted. I was second chair, and it, it's hard to explain exactly what we were doing because it wasn't very planned out. But it turned into just one of the best, most brewed out sessions that you could have on a Friday night. The chat was live. Just tons of people responding in the chat. I think we ended up getting close to 900 views total, um, which is like unique viewers. And the whole night we had between you know 35 and 48 um, like live people on the chat with us. And we ended up getting Troy's head coach, Skylar Mead, after their big win to hop on. We interviewed him real quick. You know, shook hands, kissed babies, and uh, we stayed up until 3 a.m. Eastern. We all bet on the Hawaii money line, and they just toyed with our emotions the whole time. They they jump out to a huge lead. It, this, at this point, it's like 1 a.m., and then they give up the lead. Then they come back, tie the game, and then they gave up like an eight spot. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. We're gonna try to pick one day a week where we open up Club Bromaha. And Jack and I were in suit and tie. Dimitri popped in, I think, three or four different times for five or six minutes. It's a very formal. We had sunglasses, suits, ties. Hairs, our hair was done. Uh, I mean, I even put cologne on. I smelled good. And we just scoreboard watched, hopped around from game day, game to game, watched Hagen Smith, 17 strikeouts in six innings. We we announced we were like kind of doing like a radio broadcast there. So. If you have not subscribed, subscribe to our YouTube because this is a YouTube only show and it is 100% live. And I, I really do think a lot of our listeners would enjoy it. It's, uh, it's probably the most fun. That, like, this past Friday was probably the most fun I've had in a long time, just in general, in life. I think it was one of the coolest experiences. I don't think we had any idea what we were getting ourselves into. Dimitri set up this badass. We had the ticker down below. You could see all of Ben's lives bets. You painted the night well. It was a soft launch, though. I want you to think food and Ben. This was a very, very soft launch, folks. Think simulcast. Think the Manning cast. We're going to run the show. We're going to bring in guests. We got – this was the one thing that I had to say. How do you not? I don't care if Troy got swept by Harvard. Troy's got to be the number one team in the mid-major rankings, fella. After their win on Friday night with his wife in the other room, Skylar Mead jumps into Club Bromaha, enjoys a beverage or two with the fellas. I, vibes were immaculate. We had a national anthem sung. Just know that going into this next one, it could be Tuesday, could be Wednesday, we're going to find the best matchup imaginable in this midweek. We're going to sit down. We're going to dress well, test well, as Ben said, with a nice little bit of cologne. Riz God Dimitri's going to pop in and get the fellas rolling. It was the coolest, I felt like, interconnected group of people that I've never met before. And by the end of the six hours, I felt like I had a new family. It was one of the <laughs> we, were, we were all just best friends in the chat. And the chat was electric. Shout out to everybody that joined. Um, it, I mean, I, I want to do it every night. I texted the group on Saturday. I was like, I'm kind of addicted to this. Like, I want to do it again. And uh, we had to kind of pull it back because we want this to be, I don't know, once a week thing, maybe twice a week. Uh, uh, I think yeah, you got to keep you got to keep blub, blub, club Bromaha super unique and super like rare. Like you can't just overdo it. It's got to be like one a week. Max. 
to your point, Dimitri, when we're like joking around about like, hey, this is the initial night of Club Romaha. Like, hey, we've got a nice little support system of 35, 40 of just think about a, a house party, but 35 of your 40 like closest friends just watching a game together. And then we go, hey, guys, it's about 11 o'clock. Do we send out the what you do in text? It's like when you're with the boys and you go, should I hit her up? Should I hit her up? I go, I just interviewed Skylar Mead last week. I'm all in on Troy. I interviewed Cole Myers, who hit freaking, by the way, three home runs this week, and he's got six out of the leadoff spot. I go, I'm, I'm kind of got a man crush on Skylar Mead. Do we hit up the boys and send out the what you do in text? Coach tweets or texts right back five minutes later, and he's on freaking, he's in. He, he no bouncers for Skylar Mead. He walked strolled right in through the red velvet ropes. And Skylar Mead is now a staple. We're gonna jersey hang his freaking up in the rafters of Club Roma. Um, you never know what you're gonna get. So the next one, and to your point, Demetri, keep it local, keep it new. We were like, Do we tweet out, let everyone know that we've got Skylar Mead on the pod? No, it was for the fellas. I didn't get that word. I didn't know that you guys. No, no, no. I thought you did it perfectly. We could have made a huge announcement and sent a bunch of stuff out. We just sent a nice little text out, like, "Hey, hey, Skyler Me just walked in the door. We didn't even have to ID him. We just let him in." Yep, VIP treatment too. But guys, we ended up going six and a half hours long. <laughs> that I mean, but it felt like two hours. And you know, obviously, I look at the clock. It's three thirty. Hawaii just blew like a three-run lead, and I'm like, "All right." We got to go to bed. Dude, I woke up the next morning and I was like, let's do it again. Let's do it again. I'm going to open this up at, at noon, noon so, Eastern. Let's just do it all day. So it, it's kind of a mixture between like squeeze play, Manning cast. Uh, I, I don't really, it's kind of its own thing though. So y'all subscribe to the YouTube. That's why I brought it up because it, it could launch any day at any time. So you want that notification uh, because I promise you, you want to be in the, in the chat. It was it was a blast. Let me say this. Let me say this. So I obviously I hopped in, I left, and then I hopped in again. But I was also watching you guys when I was doing some other stuff. And I was enjoying listening to you guys reading the chat and stuff. And I wasn't even like in the stream. I was just like watching it for purely for entertainment. And it was so enjoyable to watch. Um, so, yeah, I, th I, th I really do think people will enjoy it. It's only going to get better as we get learn it, get better at it. Um, this is the, a Jack and Ben thing. This is not a me thing. I might show up as a guest or whatever, but it's their thing. They do this how they want. I'll just be a guest, if you will. No, we, we needed Riz God in the building. Riz God. Dude, I don't know why home, homie kept calling me Riz God. Loves it. The chat was called Dimitri Riz God, and I don't know if I'll ever call him Dimitri again. From here, from henceforth further. I don't know where <laughs> he got that from. I don't, I don't know, but I love it. I will, I will say this, too, moving forward. Ben, I think it's going to be a case in point where, you know, the last two hours we ended up playing some Sporkle to try to get the vibes high and, and get us back into the Hawaii bet. Um, but I think from start to finish, I, I think we just keep going out on a whim. Like, I don't think we plan to bring on a certain coach. I think we just shoot from the hip. What if the, you just, we just shoot? From, we, we got a lot of their phone numbers. So if they have a big win, just we're just going to have to shoot a text. You up? You want to hop on? Come on. What if you just like behind the scenes line up like two or three guests and then randomly just whenever they're available, they just hop into the thing like Skylar Mead, at least plan a few random guests, but don't say anything about it. Just let them randomly show up in the stream. I'm down for that. Yeah. You know what um, I mean? So it's a little raunchy and off script, but you at <laughs> least can plan it a little bit where do you have guests coming? Yeah, we're just going to fill it out. We're just going to fill it out. It, it's a, it's right, a very right. unstructured show. Uh, because it lasts forever. 
but boys, let's talk a little bit about this weekend. Uh, I want to start Friday afternoon when Stony Brook goes into LSU. I thought it was for the first time since that 20, was it 2012? When no, they, they played in 2019. Yeah, but they did make the uh, the Baton Rouge Regional in 2019. Uh, but yeah, Stony Brook comes in, the Seawolves, and upset LSU. That was cool to see. It was more of like a nostalgic thing. Obviously, LSU's the more talented team. LSU's the better team. But for the guys, and I don't think it's the same coach either. I think it's a different head coach. But for that program to say like, hey, we're back. Like, that's that's big time. And I was happy for the Seawolves. Great name. Great uniforms. And uh, I think they'll be a competitive. They're in the CAA, right? Yep. Yeah. So hey, another you know, CAA team that's going to be uh, very competitive this year. That's exciting to see. You know what's but, really funny is this goes against the narrative. The narrative we wanted to paint on Friday was that Stony Brook owns Alex Box Stadium. But a few hours before that game, they lost to Northwestern State in that same stadium. But nobody needed to know that. We didn't want to talk about that. We just wanted to talk about Stony Brook owning Alex Box when LSU did the other dugout. So that was cool to see. Obviously, they got their ass handed to them today. I think it was like 17 to 10 or something like that. Um, still put up a lot of runs. Um, but yeah, good, good, good little storyline to kick off the weekend. Yeah, and uh, another team that had, I think it was 2012, maybe it was 2013, but Kennesaw State goes into Clemson and no, day one just Tallahassee. Them. Tallahassee. Oh, I thought they won the Clemson regional that year. No, they, they went. They went to Florida State and won that regional, and then they went to Louisville. Super. That's right. Okay. Well, never mind. Take that point I was about to make and uh, throw it out the window. Uh, but Kennesaw State did crush Clemson. Two things I want to say about that. Clemson won. That ESPN Plus broadcast was so bad. Like, you should be embarrassed. Uh, two, there was not even a scoreboard on that broadcast. And it's probably a good thing that there wasn't a scoreboard because you ended up losing, what, 18-1? to Wait, did you not see my tweet? No, I saw it. I ended up seeing it where you added in the scoreboard. Uh, that was great. But... Uh, anyways, yeah, Kennesaw State ended up winning eighteen to one. That was fun. Uh, what, what other upsets were there this weekend? I know Holy Cross ended up beating Kansas State. I know High Belmont Point on Friday South night. Carolina. Yeah, well, High Point on Friday night went into Oxford, or yeah, Oxford and beat Ole Miss. That was kind of a red flag after Ole Miss splits with Hawaii. Everybody's like, uh oh. But then Ole Miss ended up taking care of business the last two games, including I think they won twenty five to nothing today, twenty five one. Uh, crazy, crazy times. And um, you're right, though. Belmont did beat South Carolina on Saturday. I think Belmont's a good team, though. Uh, typically, yeah. Belmont will be They'll be fighting for a championship. Yeah, exactly. So South Carolina fans don't freak out too much. Uh, I think other than, other than that, they handled business the rest of the week. So yeah, They came back uh, with a mercy run, home run today. Right. Let's see if there's any other Friday storylines here that I'm missing. I mean, Hagen Smith stole the show. Let's just dive into that game. The Friday, everybody was anticipating this Friday night matchup between two top five teams, Arkansas, Oregon State. You have the number one position player in a lot of draft boards, Travis Bazana, facing off against the number one or number two uh, pitcher in, in draft boards with Hagen Smith. And Hagen Smith made Bazana look lost at the plate. And believe me, I've been lost. I was a left-handed hitter. 
sometimes when you face a left-handed pitcher, you just you don't even see the ball. Like the ball starting out from behind you and ending up on the outside corner. And, and that's what Hagen Smith did. And the fact that he went six innings, so 18 outs, and 17 of them were punch outs. And he only threw, what, 70 pitches? I think it was 68. 68. 68 pitches? That's incredible. It, I mean, he could have struck out 20-plus easily. He still had nine outs left. Dude, that's 50, what is that, 17 times 3, 30, 21, 51 strikes, 6, 17 balls. Yeah, and I know he walked one. Uh, it was on four pitches because that's when Jack and I really started taking notice. We're like, wait a minute, he's had 12 strikeouts in four innings? That's nuts uh, on Club Bromaha. That game. And, but anyways, Hagen Smith bounces back. Like Opening day against James Madison, he, he did not have his stuff at all. He did not look good. James Madison kind of punished him for a lot of mistakes. And I came out preseason and said, I think Hagen Smith is the best pitcher in the country. I think him and Chase Burns are one, two. You can have them in any order, but they're, they're the most Paul Skeens like pitchers as far as stuff goes. And I have a point like, to say right now before I forget. I was watching Chase Burns yesterday. No, dude. Paul Skeens is on this. There's another tier. There's another tier. Like right. Chase Burns electric, like he's got the stuff, he's electric and everything. But Paul Skeen and Chase Burns are not the same right now. When you watch no, Paul no, Skeen, you're right. it, was, yeah. it was pure domination. When you watch Chase Burns, teams are still competing. Of course they're getting dominated, but it's not that same just just shove it up your ass like you have no shot type of domination. Exactly. And for Paul Skeens, it was the consistency that he had. You knew every Friday night he was getting 12, 13 punch outs. He was going seven, eight, nine innings. And like teams were going to look like dumb. They were going to look really dumb against him. Uh, Hagen Smith made Oregon State look dumb, but he's going to have to do that seven, eight, nine more starts in a row to be compared to what. I mean, I still think Paul Skeens is the most dominant pitcher in my lifetime in college baseball. And uh, let's see, I'm 28 years old. So let's just say like since 2000. Some people compare him to Steven Strasburg. I think he was more dominant than Strasburg. But anyways, um, the, the, the major point I was willing to make was, one, that felt like an Omaha game. I know it was at Globe Life Field in Arlington, uh, but the way Oregon State battled back, you know, they were getting, I mean, they put four balls into play in the first six innings. Three of them were hits. One of them was a, a ground ball to second base. But then they come back from four, down 4 nothing. They tie it up. Arkansas had to go ahead. Uh, they, they took the lead in the bottom of the eighth. Uh, but, yeah, it just felt like an Omaha game, like possibly like an Omaha finals game. So what do you guys think about uh, Oregon State? What do you think about Arkansas? Because I have a hot take here once you guys finish. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead. Um, I think right now you could argue that Oregon State and Arkansas are 1A and 1B, top two teams in the country as of right now today. I don't think you can sit here and say Oregon State is better than Arkansas. I don't think you can say Arkansas is better than Oregon State. Arkansas won that game. But I promise you, if that was a three-game series, that game is going to the eighth inning of game three before you figure out who's winning that series. Arkansas pitching staff, loaded. Unbelievably loaded. They've got everything they need. They've got a lot of fuel. They've got a lot of precision. They've got everything. Offensively, this is where I'm like, imagine taking that 2021 
Arkansas lineup or 2022 Arkansas lineup with this pitching staff, oh, dude, this is a 60-win team. Easily, right. So, because like, Arkansas's weekend rotation is you got Hagen Smith, Brady Tiger, Mason Molina. Like three guys that would probably be number ones at 95 to 98% of colleges. Like Friday night, solidified starter, and you have them Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, bullpen was good, too. Other than I think it was Will McIntyre who kind of struggled Friday night, got into some damage. But uh, Oregon State's offense, on the other hand, it it is just as powerful. As, well, good pitching will beat good hitting, but Oregon State's oh, offense you saw the last two games. Hagen Smith will never do that. You put Hagen Smith up against Oregon State next Friday night. I bet he goes six innings, two runs, nine nine K. It's right, a great exactly. start, but nothing like what he we just dude. When a pitcher is on, you can't stop them. You cannot stop a pitcher that's on his shit that day. Right, uh, but yeah, Oregon State's offense like they had they scored eleven runs on Saturday uh, against Michigan. I think they scored eight or nine tonight against Oklahoma State. They scored ten plus against Texas Tech in the midweek. Uh, like this is an elite offense. Hey, so. Bazana today. Two home runs, three balls over 100 miles an hour off his bat, by the way. Yeah. yeah. He's going to have to do like, in order for Oregon State to win a national championship, he's going to have to do it against guys like Hagen Smith, though, because he, he did not look good. He did not look comfortable in the box, uh, but I guess nobody technically did. So. Nobody did. Nobody would have. Dude, he had a hat trick on 13 pitches. He struck about three times on 13 pitches. Dude, yeah. what we saw was insane. And then I don't know if y'all saw this, but Arkansas on the softball diamond went no-no the very next day. So, like, I, I don't know what they're cooking down in Fayetteville, but your longitude and your latitude are spot on. What we saw on Friday night, we all freaked out. It was almost like we were disappointed in unbelievable web gem play when the second baseman, I can't remember his name, goes backhand diving play, two hopper to first to get a speedy runner out. And everyone's like, ah, every out needs to be a punchy. Damn it. But what we saw we were, Friday night, we were upset like, about that. Yeah, <laughs> we were pissed. I was like, "Oh, shit. all right." Would you put Would you put Arkansas and Oregon State? Would you put them in front of LSU right now and or Wake? Yeah, I, I'm gonna say this is my hot take. I think Oregon State's the best team in the country right now. It took a 17 strikeout performance. I think 23 total in the game um, on Friday night. They lose by one run, five to four, to Arkansas. Yeah, eight Other than that. Dude, I think Oregon State has the best mix of like lethal, lethal offense and very, very good, almost elite pitching staff. They they are I hope, teams. I hope Aiden May is like not seriously injured. Yeah, I, I think he's I, don't, be I didn't blocked. get word on what, what the final diagnosis was. Did you guys know? No, but in college baseball, usually if it's like something severe, they'll announce it like later that night or the next day. There's been really no word on it that so I've seen, which tells me it's probably like a day-to-day, -day, like, let's just feel it out, let's stretch it out, whatever. But, yeah, I, I'm going to go on it. Right now, I think Oregon State should be the number one team in the country. I know they lost Arkansas. I get it. But think about how they lost. They should. They could have won that game. Should have. Yeah. They possibly, like, should have. Now, Arkansas say, fans are going to hate me. Arkansas fans are going to come after me. Just remember, Arkansas fans, I picked you to win the national championship. So it's probably a good thing that I'm not putting Arkansas number one. I picked my college World Series final. 
I don't know if you guys remember, Arkansas versus Oregon State. Oregon State wins the national championship. That was my preseason pick. Yeah. And I, damn, let me tell you, boy, I'm feeling confident as hell about that. <laughs> right. I, I think I think right now, I know we still have four months of baseball to be played. I think there's only about 20 teams that can win the national championship, like legitimately win the national championship. And 20 might be a stretch. Call me crazy, okay. but I drink the Kool Aid. I don't, I don't see a I don't see a path for more than twenty teams. I I see I sip the Kool Aid though because I see a ton of mid majors that are actually like kid could surprise you and go oh. win games. But I think they, I think there's some mid majors that could get to Omaha. I don't think they. I don't think there's oh, any. Yeah, that's true. You can't. You can't I don't think there's me. any that can win the whole thing. You can't convince me. Even 2016 Coastal Carolina. That, that, I mean, that's one of the best mid-majors we've ever seen. I don't think they can get through that Arkansas or Oregon State gauntlet of a lineup yeah. and pitching TCU's staff. lineup has been nasty. Uh, I mean, we're forgetting Florida about Wake Forest. Florida State is unbelievable right now. And I, and I don't know how people were sleeping or missed on this team. Florida State looks damn good, too. I mean, they're like 8-0. I mean, their pitching staff throws gas. They can pitch. Their lineup, Cam Smith, um, Tibbs, and Drew Farrell. Who's hitting like 500 right now? I mean, that team, the team looks really, really, really good. So there's a lot of good teams right now. Let's just take the state of Texas right here. Texas Tech's offense, I mean, is just putting up, 50, I think they're averaging like 15 or 16 runs a game right now. TCU's offense is even better, in my opinion, than Texas Tech. So they're doing it against better competition. And then you have the Texas Longhorns, who are holding teams to, I think they're, Averaging less than three runs a game on the I pitching side. I tweeted this out an hour ago. The Longhorns are going to have pitcher beeps all year. They didn't give up a run all weekend. They didn't give up a single run, and that's against a good Cal Poly team that that beat Missouri twice opening weekend. Yeah, it wasn't they, a shot. zeros, zeros across the board. Not one. Twenty-seven innings, zero runs. So that's what I'm saying. Like those three are teams that I think could win the national championship: Arkansas, Oregon State, yes and yes. Then you have, I mean, pretty much maybe seven, eight teams in the SEC. That's thirteen. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to do the math here, but there's not a lot of teams that I think can run the table and and win six games in Omaha. But, anyways, that means nothing right now. I don't even know why I'm saying that. That's just. That's just targets for people to come after me. Let's All see. Right. Uh, let's talk about the East Carolina, North Carolina series. It's been too long. Uh, we, we're 34 minutes into this podcast. We should have started with it. What an incredible, like, just viewing experience to watch that series. Uh, Jack, I don't know how much you saw of that series. I think you watched a pretty good bit. But it was Friday night was awesome. Saturday was even better. And Sunday was the cherry on top. The the back and forthness of Sunday's game, game three, where it looked like East Carolina was gonna, you know, they were gonna win the game. They were four nothing in the sixth inning. Boom, it's four two. Walk a couple guys, give up a bloop single, bam, five four, they're down. People are starting to stress. I mean, this is at the jungle. This is at uh I mean, this is late in the game. When the jungle gets going, it gets rowdy. Yeah, and like they had the air just deflated out of them after that three-run bomb to make it five to four. Well, they come back, they tie it up, 
boom. And then I, I don't remember the exact chain of events, but it was like seven, five, then seven, seven, then eight, seven, eight, eight, nine, nine. nine. I mean, it was six lead changes to finish that game. Six. Six. Yeah. And, and I, I tweeted about this on the 11.7 account. I think the jungle is the best college baseball atmosphere at full capacity. It's better than the dude. I think it's better than Alex box because it feels like the fans are literally on top of you. This is like, if like, uh, I cannot think of what it's called and people are going to hate me, but what is Duke's basketball stadium called? Cameron indoor. (laughs) Someone flipped that. That shows you how much I care about college basketball, but you know, Cameron indoor, it is like tightly compact. The student section is right there on top of the players. Like this is not like a three, three deck, three story building. It's just like one story right there. That's how East Carolina's baseball field feels. Um, it's so it, damn it, it goes small. All though. the way around, three hundred and sixty like degrees. Just like Cameron Indoor. Cameron Indoor is tiny too. That's what I'm saying. Like the field yeah. small. It feels. Every, yeah, dude, I love it. It's one of the most unique places to watch a game, and I can't wait to go there and watch a ball game. Like, I want to watch a postseason game there. Yeah, and hopefully they host. But I mean, uh, a middle of Ju- a game in June, it is humid as fuck. It is hot. You are drowning in Buzz Lights and Coors Lights, and you're just drowning in beer out in the outfield. People are sweating all over you, and you are just screaming your ass off for the culture of the jungle. Yeah, it's it's a treat. Um, but anyways, the series uh, it showed me a lot about both of those teams. I think front like the first four or five guys on each staff uh, pitching staff are elite. Um, and I think after that, there's a lot of question marks. Like it felt like, especially today when the bullpen bullpens got in there. Dimitri texts me. He's like, bro, this guy's throwing 86 slop. Like he is getting mashed right now. And you just can't have that. But like just savage. And uh, I'm trying to think of who who is UNC's guy that they threw on Friday. Um, I don't know. It was like pitching duel, pitching duel. And today like kind of opened the floodgates. I think East Carolina, Yesovich and... Um, root one-two punch is a top-tier pitching combo for Friday and Saturday between Yesovich and Root. I, I really enjoyed watching both of them pitch this weekend. Yeah, that's a that's a great one-two. Like that's a one-two that can win a super regional. Um, also in this series, probably my favorite tweet of all time from the UNC baseball official account. I'm going to read it word for word. <laughs> I I, I'm going to try not to laugh as I read this. Vance Honeycutt blasts his fifth home run of the year and brings us within a grand slam of tying the game. ECU 7, Carolina 3, end of 8. So what? Is, so how do you so if you're down by one? A grand what do you say? slam of tying quarter, the game. What do, what do you say if you're down by one? A quarter of a grand slam? We're only a quarter of a grand slam away? We are one half of grand slam from tying or t- taking the lead. They were good. I mean, just and, an all-time, like, indirectly funny quote. It's so funny you have that because I have two notes for this podcast, and one of them is I saw my favorite tweet of maybe of my entire life, not even just college baseball, that uh, may have been directly at, directed at Dimitri. But um, 
I don't want to digress off yours, though. Vance Honeycutt is exactly who we thought he was, though. He was so good all weekend. And, yeah. and I'll say this. I think, Ben, you owe Dimitri and I a thank you for allowing East Carolina fans just absolutely to adore you after we took North Carolina to win that series. Because after North Carolina beat you Savage, I was like, there's no way that the Heels don't win the series now. I was like, they just beat their best guy. I don't care that it was at home. Like, frankly, they don't have a home field advantage in, in Chapel Hill. They don't. So, like, I, I mean, I felt like if you had won with you Savage, then you had a shot. Um, I wasn't worried. And then all of a sudden, Honeycutt, every time he was asked to – it was called upon. He was in every big moment. He delivered every time. But East Carolina just constantly fought back. They're one of those teams where it feels like I don't care if it was this year or 10 years ago, their entire lineup looks the exact same. Like it's the exact same time dudes every year. Plug in place. They absolutely rake. It's timely hitting. Um, and I, I thought it was funny too, like watching that game today. I was like, I thought this game was sold out. Like you'd see like one or two empty chairs, and then you looked into the outfield, and you're like, "Oh, it's because they crammed five thousand people into like into a ten foot space." Like, got it? It was electric. But yeah, I learned a lot about them in the response. I felt like losing with these Savage on the mound on Friday. I was like, "Oh, this, this series is done." So, no, great yeah, they a lot of fight, a lot of grit. Um, just a great, great series there. Um, Saturday, we we kind of skipped over this, but. Instant classic between Arkansas and Oklahoma State. Saturday night, it's you know midnight Eastern, and it is one to one. Neither team can get anything going off the other team's pitching staff. Uh, it, it it ended on a two strike suicide squeeze uh, from Oklahoma State, and that was a big win for Oklahoma State. And the fact that they lose two out of three to Sam Houston State opening weekend. They're really not playing good baseball, uh, or at least up to their standards. Um, but after a good midweek and then beating Arkansas, uh, neutral site on a Saturday, like it kind of gave the boys something. I don't know. It, it, yeah. it ultimately didn't matter because they got smacked today by Oregon State. But it, like they got that big win that they can hold on to the rest of the year. Um, and it kind of raises the point Dimitri made earlier. Like Arkansas's offense still has a lot of work to do. Like, they don't have that guy that's, you know, the RBI machine. And they might, like, when Peyton Stovall comes back uh, in a few weeks, like, he might be the spark plug to the offense. But, uh, you know, one-to-one against Oklahoma State, I know Arkansas fans, I know Arkansas players, they feel like they should have probably scored five or six runs that game, and they just couldn't get it done. So, uh, all in all, that tournament was fun. It was definitely worth the Flow Sports subscription. And, uh, yeah, it, let's see. I've got my game oh. of the week. Yeah, talk about your game of the week, Jack. Go ahead and talk. i got to plan a couple things here. Friday night in Club Bromaha, the gentlemen, they rallied. They rallied around a little small team in New York's. Just off on Long Island, the Sharks swam all the way down to Coral Gables and gave the Canes a run for their money on Friday night. Some of us had big money, 10 to win 120 bucks. Someone had a 20 to one slip. Admin account, we'll have to fire that intern. Just ripped all over the shark. Couldn't get it done. They end up losing Friday night. Everyone loses their bets. Now, here's the tweet that I have in question. It's the only note that I have. After an unbelievable Saturday showing, Long Island, they swam down. I know they're listening. Spinny hats up for Dimitri. 
Miami after the loss on Saturday. Well, got to be that they were a seven-run dog. Long Island was Miami. Long Island wins right. on Saturday. Miami posts the Uno graphic that says "post the final score or draw 25. <laughs> and the guy draws twenty-five. That's hilarious. So, oh. much, so cliche. I loved it. It honestly made me love Miami a little bit more, but we ride or die with the Sharks. I'm not going to talk about what happened and how Miami responded, but LIU for the win. Yeah, shout so, out, um, shout out uh, Noah Sorensen hits the go-ahead two-run homer in the top of the ninth. Uh, redshirt freshman. First career hit. First career Second, hit, yeah. First career hits a game winner. Think about, think about the freshman that made differences this weekend. Walk-off hit from East Carolina with a freshman, um, Bristol. Um, Long Island freshman, uh, Oregon State, or somebody else had a, a freshman make a big time hit somewhere around the country. I don't remember, but there was a bunch of freshmen stepping up this weekend, um, which is awesome to see. I mean, even the sophomore class from a draft standpoint is loaded, the freshman class is loaded. We've already talked about the big freshmen. Oh, can we talk about a couple freshmen right now? Uh, Drew Burris from Georgia Tech. I think he has five homers this year. He's hitting above 500, like 14 RBIs out of the leadoff spot. He passed up the draft, uh, like big time, like possible seven figures in the draft to say, I'm going to Georgia Tech. I'm going to go develop. And, uh, yeah, he he looks awesome. Same thing with uh, Daniel Cuvet from Miami. He uh, five homers, 14 RBIs, hitting 600 this year. He's another guy that could have gotten drafted last year. Goes to Miami, immediate impact back. Uh, there's a ton of good freshmen out this year. And that's what's going to make college baseball good because what made college basketball good in like the late 90s, early 2000s was you got to see these freshmen that would come in, play basketball, and you got to see them for most of the time, three, four years. Like think about Tyler Hansborough and uh, stuff like that. The one and dones, other than Carmel Carmelo Anthony and a few others, um, you know, were pretty rare back then. You got to see guys three, four years. And you're starting to see that now with in college baseball. Think about Tommy White, you know, four years, he's going to be a three-year guy. Um, I don't know. So those those freshmen are all important to the growing the sport of college baseball. So it's good to see. I always root for them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's been a bunch of freshmen. Even we, we talked about Trent Caraway at Oregon State. Um, and then there's another freshman somewhere else. But, yeah, I mean, I, I love it. I love seeing the young guys step in immediately because then it's more fun to remember their name as they progress over the next three years before they get drafted and move on to their professional careers. So I, I love seeing it. I mean, it, it makes it more enjoyable to see these guys grow up and as we watch them every day. Yep. Um, uh, let's see here. I got another hey, story we can talk about. How about them Cal Golden Bears? I'm really impressed with them. Did they end up sweeping UConn? They they swept UConn this weekend. Wow. Um, they, I mean, they made two comebacks Saturday and Sunday to sweep them. Shut up BYU in the midweek. They lost that one game to Boston College. Or else this is the undefeated team with a top twenty-five win over Kansas State. And we all know how good UConn had been over the last couple of years. They always have a good team. They always really challenge themselves with tough schedule. So, so I think. Cal, a team that can compete in the upper half of the Pac-12 with Oregon State. And we just saw UCLA this weekend, which we we haven't talked about yet, that series. Yeah, have we? No, I mean, there's really not much to talk about. TCU proved that it didn't matter where they played. It didn't matter if it was at TCU, at UCLA, 
or in at Charles Schwab Field, they were the better team. TCU week one, you know, kind of looks shaky on the pitching side of things against Florida Gulf. Dude, they, look, they look super shaky. Even against yeah. Texas State, they couldn't they barely held that lead. They couldn't keep Florida Gulf Coast gave them everything. And that was not the same TCU team we just saw this weekend. That was the team that that was not the team I picked again. If I would have right. saw a little bit of that TCU team, I would have picked them this weekend. Well, that offense is lethal. The Hornets' offense, one through nine, is it's very similar to Texas A&M's offense and TCU's offense, uh, or uh, Texas Tech, TCU, A&M. I feel like all three of them have just loaded one through nine, big-bodied guys that just mash the baseball. So. Uh, yeah, there's really not much to say about that series. TCU was by far the best team. I think they're a top five team in the nation, hands down. And once the pitching gets going, which you saw a good bit of it this past weekend, but like when they really start going and hitting their stride, they might win 20 in a row at some point this year. Like they're that good. What, what do you, you guys? Say, Jack? Um, what do you got to say? Yeah, Jack, what do you have to say here? We, we've kind of been talking over you. I feel bad. No, you guys were you're cruising, man. TCU's loaded. I felt like Carson Bowen is still that dude, but I, they're really what they dominated from start to finish. Like they really did. Yeah. Not that UCLA's fraudulent. I think Kirk Charles has has built something where like it kind of similar to what we talked about with TCU. It's plug and play. You lose a couple bodies, whatever. It's all good. Next guy up. Hey, shout out to the Rice Owls, man. They went into um, Lafayette, Louisiana, took the series from. A- Pretty good Louisiana team. Now, as we're starting to get into week two, week three of the season, you start to figure out like who's good, who's good, who's not good. We came out of week one thinking, wow, Rice State's a really good team. Louisiana's a really good team. Rice State struggled this weekend big time um, against Oklahoma. And Oklahoma looks really good too. Yeah. I want to throw that out there. So, so, I mean, Louisiana, I'm a little more down on them now, but. Shout out the Rice. I, I don't remember seeing them have a big series win like that. They've had a couple midweek, nice midweek wins over the last couple of years, but a true Friday through Sunday weekend series, that was the best I've seen them play in a while. Yeah, 100%. Um, and as a former diehard Rice Owl fan, uh, it was good to see them play good baseball. Same thing with the University of Houston. University of Houston wins two out of three pretty easily against St. John's. They lose today, but. Uh, Houston's pitching staff looks really good for the first time since 2017 when they hosted a regional. Hey, can we believe, I know this is the time of the episode. If you're new here, this is where we just start jumping all over the country of games. (laughs) Can you believe it took one, two, three, four, five, six. It took Georgia Tech seven games before they gave up their first double-digit game, like from a pitching standpoint. They probably yeah, last year. I have to look at their schedule, but I'm sure have five by now. They usually have five by now. They lost to Cornell big today, but I mean, it's a Sunday game after already taking the series. But for them to go this long without giving up d- double digit run, I'm impressed. I, I would say they're trending in the right direction because they have the lineup to do it to win a lot of games. I'll, yeah. I'll tell you the one team because you guys were excited about Georgia Tech. The, the team that I was really excited about uh, that's kind of let me down a little bit is Kansas State. I, I was I was on that broadcast last year for Holy Cross almost like five games. They came and lived in Charleston in hotels for about a week. So I had him a couple times. Sean Scanlon, who hit the game winner, uh, game winning homer yesterday, he's actually a two-way guy. 
he, he he throws on the weekends as well. He's a he's a big lefty. He's pretty nasty. But again, he's like 86, 87 with like four pitches. But he also hits bombs. Kansas State, though, with I mean, I know they have no Tyson neighbors. I thought the offense behind Caitlin Culpepper is going to be a little bit deeper. Um, like struggling even today with a six-five win. Like it's it's a getaway Sunday, man. You're supposed to defend home turf a little bit better. And I, I was expecting them to bounce back after that loss and put up like a 10 or 11 spot. Um, but I, you know, not as deep as I maybe thought, um, still super early, but if we're going to struggle with, Hey, who's, who's the battle of the cooler purple and Holy Cross and Kansas state big 12 plays could be a rough awakening. <laughs> hey Jack, let me tell you something here. The longer you're with them, the longer you're really deep diving into college baseball, there's a two, there's a two word thing that you need a noun. It's two words it called blue blood. When a team like Kansas state or USC starts getting hyped up. Don't buy into it. It usually doesn't work out. But that was a lot of people would argue. A lot of people would argue USC is a blue blood because of what they did in the eighties and nineties. Since since the super regional era, they are not blue bloods. You're right. So when you start seeing hype for these kind of teams, don't buy into it. Look at it with extreme caution and skip um, skepticism. Throw Dimitri. Throw back to like three years ago when Wake Forest was this team. Everybody was hyping up early Wake Forest, like 2021 Wake Forest. And we're like, uh-uh, we're not buying into it. We got to see it happen first. And we did it up until like last year. We were like, we need to see this team play. Ultimately, like they obviously earned everything uh, until because of last a team, year. Until a team goes into a regional, wins the regional, goes into a super, wins a super, and gets to Omaha and then does well in Omaha – I can't buy into it because it ex- experiences everything. I mean, you guys know it. I mean, imagine playing college baseball today. You feel like you would dominate it with all the knowledge and experience and the feel of everything. It's the same thing in a program. Like if you get a new head coach and everything, but to see a team with that jersey on win Super Regional gives you so much more confidence and knowledge on that you can do it too. So like for Wake Forest, for example, East Carolina, perfect example. They cannot get over the hump and get to Omaha. They have the experience in a, re- in a regional, super regional. They have, but they have seen an East Carolina team get over that super regional hump. It is the hardest thing to do. Once they get to Omaha, one, they're gonna they're gonna keep going. Yeah, it's right. gonna be every two three years. You're gonna see East Carolina getting to Omaha. It's just you got to get over that first hump. Now, wait for it for me last year. I will say this because I am skeptical. Like I was all over UCSB, and then I saw everyone getting excited about them, and I was like, well, now like now they've taken away my fun. You gotta understand, this is all. Santa Barbara is a good example. They've done. They've been really good, like consistently good, but they haven't been like great. But guess what? They went to Omaha, so that's yeah. why I think I'm confidently can put faith in them because they got to Omaha. They got, got over the, that regional hump. Yeah, one of the coolest walk-off grannies ever. But you gotta understand, this is my personal bias. I interviewed two USA guys that went to Kansas State, and I go, "What the fuck? You guys are at Kansas State together? How the hell are you wearing these jerseys? I don't understand. I don't know anything about Kansas State baseball." And then my personal bias is like, oh man, guys are gonna want to go play with these dudes. Tyson Neighbors a dog. Caitlin Culpepper's sick. So those that was my own personal bias. I didn't like that everyone jumped on the hype train with me, but I was hey, choo choo. I was already off to the racing. But um, yeah, I, I I know what you mean though. Let's pump the brakes. I gotta I gotta see you get there first. Yeah. yeah hey, 100%. Ben, I know you're a huge fan of Nebraska. They look good this weekend. Yeah, they, they won three really four at Grand, Grand Canyon. Three at Grand Canyon is is tough because Grand Canyon always plays well at home. It's a big home field advantage, 
And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like I said preseason, I said Sky or is it, it's not Skybolt. Skybolt's the old UNC center fielder. Yep, Skybolt. Uh, Will, Will Bolt. Will Bolt, head coach North Carolina or Nebraska. Uh, he's got a good thing going. You could kind of see bits and pieces last year. Like, okay, this team's talented. Like, they're a couple pieces away. And this year, I, I was bought in. I was like, this Nebraska team will, will do some damage in the Big Ten. And, uh, yeah, they went into Grand Canyon, won three out of four, which is really impressive. They're the better team. Uh, Vegas kept making them underdogs. Like, they were always plus 150 all four games. So you could have made some pretty good coin. Could have made some pretty big coin if you if you bet on them every day. Um, but, yeah, I was impressed with, with Nebraska. Speaking of that series, did you see where um, Grand Canyon, I think his name was Tyler Wilson, hits a – Game tying grand slam in the sixth inning and gets ejected for bat flipping. I saw the what are video. Your thoughts on that? I saw the video. I think it bushly bullshit, whatever you want to say that you toss a guy for doing that. But I dug, I dug a little deeper into it. Something happened on Saturday night with one of Grand Canyon's pitchers, um, or Nebraska. Somebody's pitcher did some some bush league stuff. And so that was the retaliation for it. And so they were like pretty tight lipped on, well, like pretty short leash on Sunday because of what happened on Saturday. So you got you got to know the, the the backstory sometimes for some of those things. So probably it was a warranted ejection, but on the surface of it, it looks terrible. It looks terrible. Like let the kids play kind of thing. But yeah. Even between the lines, though, I I need and again the, the only I saw it and everyone goes up and arms out. Oh, this is bullshit. The only thing I can think of is is he yells something at him. Because the bad flip doesn't right. even warrant an ejection because it wasn't even a bad flip. Like, to me, it wasn't even a bad flip. I, unless he hits it and goes, yeah, like, suck my balls. I, okay, cool. Like, then Yahtzee him. But, like, there's no shot that just the flip itself did it because it was like a – it's like a 2-5 on the 110 bad flip scale. It, like, it was not very good. I He's stoked, but I still, I don't know. Yeah. Hey – Ben, Nebraska, win over Baylor. Three lost six to three to a good Texas Tech team. Lost by one to a good Oklahoma team, and then three out of four on the road at Grand Canyon. Like I'm really, I'm like, all right, you guys have my attention now because Nebraska, Indiana are licking their chops. Iowa struggling. Maryland too. Maryland Maryland can win the conference too. I mean, Maryland went down to Georgia Southern last weekend and beat them. And as the season goes on, you you start to learn who's good, who's not good. Georgia Southern looked great in Mississippi State this weekend. They didn't look bad at all. So that's a good win from series win from Maryland when you look back at it. Yeah, and uh, Rutgers is another that. team. Rutgers can play a little bit out yeah. there in the Big Ten. They kicked Old Dominion's ass this weekend. Yeah. yeah it wasn't close. Yeah. It wasn't even I'll close. say this about Maryland. I want to go back. Maryland is giving series Wichita State vibes where it's like you just had no idea what kind of team they were going to be because you had like 30 new transfers. It's a first-year head coach. Did you guys by any chance see the video of Maryland's new skipper getting the game ball after his first collegiate win? No, I didn't see it. It, they're, they're on the bus. He jumps on. Team captain flips him the ball, and they go nuts. And it was like – it wasn't like a charade. It wasn't like scripted. It looked like very genuine that they were super stoked for him. First, first time as a head coach getting a dub, and like the boys were fired up. I was like, ooh, like I that gives me team of destiny vibes in a in a, in a conference I think is kind of up for grabs a little bit. I was like, oh, something. That, I mean, they were a regional team a year ago, but now it's a totally different face. But they were kind of fun this weekend. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, 
I'm excited for the Big Ten this year. I am too. I've been preaching it since January. Guys, like the Big Ten's going to be good. And there's a few other teams in the Big Ten that have done some damage. Um, now I can't think of Big Ten teams, but hold on. They're, no, not Illinois. Illinois got trashed this weekend. Um, can I even name any more Big Ten teams? Minnesota? Eh, no. Michigan? No, they got swapped this weekend. Yeah, Northeastern Beetle. Yeah, Michigan? No. I'd say between Illinois, not Illinois, sorry, Indiana, Iowa, Maryland, Nebraska, Nebraska, Penn State won two out of three against Stanford, but Stanford's horrible. They look, they look garbage. Put them in the same boat with USC, right? I mean, that's disrespectful to put them in the same boat because they've done a hell of a lot more over the last 10 years, but dude, they're going to be a bottom tier uh, Pac-12 team this year. Yeah, my, yeah. my my Stanford preseason Pac-12 pick's not looking too hot over Oregon State. Hey, but let me ask right. you this. Let me ask you this. In the new era, as we keep shifting towards this new style of recruiting and all that stuff, Stanford, outside of the education part, I feel like they're going to struggle to get top-end guys up to Palo Alto. I just feel yeah. like they're going to struggle. There's no unique environment at Sunken Diamond. It's a very country club vibe. Like clap a little bit, don't clap too loud when we do well. Um, and I mean, when you get to super regional, I feel like everyone can have a good atmosphere. I'm talking game 30 of the regular season. I want to see good atmosphere in the regular season. And Stanford never shows up. They never show up with good atmosphere. And I feel like they're going to struggle with this whole NIL, mm-hmm. all this stuff. It's just they're going to struggle. Plus, I don't think I don't think they can take transfer portal guys into the school. They can't. Like, I don't. Why? Think- I feel like I read that somewhere. Like, if somebody from Auburn wanted to transfer to, um, like, uh, transfer portal transfer to Stanford, I don't think they can. It would have to be like a grad transfer. I think it has to be a grad transfer. Meanwhile, we're saying all this while they just got the best Japanese hitter, high school recruit of all time, besides Otani, on on his way to campus in a year from now. So maybe that's maybe they're going to try to new strategy i don't know what they're going to do but i do feel like they're going to what if stanford time. just goes full international that would be amazing i i will tell you this i know i have on the record from a football standpoint they don't offer nil money like they're not offering nil collective they are not offering a single dollar so like a kid that has like stanford miami uh you know virginia tech lsu whatever Stanford's on that kid's top five recruiting trail, knowing that they're not offering him a single dollar to go there other wow. than a Stanford education. And that I do have that on the books. So like when they get bounced from Omaha last year, know that every single guy that was on that team was just there because they love Stanford and they love ball. But then when, you know, your best player, two-way dude, Braden Montgomery starts to hear some of the dollars that are getting thrown around to some of the other top 10 guys, you're like, Hey, I, I love Stanford. Like I remember where Me I was the portal he loves stanford Braden montgomery loves stanford malcolm moore loved Braden montgomery there was no love lost when he left stanford it was just like boys i'm 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 hypothetically get going to get a bag at college station like getting a bag yeah. like how do you fault the kid i mean there's the, there's the appeal going to stanford if you're just a normal player like somebody like me or you jack who didn't have a career in pre- professional baseball like let's go get the stanford education Let's go make 85, 100 grand out of high school or out of college uh, with our first jobs. Uh, but if you're Braden Montgomery, it's like, oh, I'm going to be a first round pick. I'm going to sign for $5 million. Like, let me just go get a bag in, in college. Let me get this 
fat NIL from Texas A&M for a year. And, uh, dude, he's, he's good. I, I watched a lot of his at-bats. People forget he's a switch hitter. Oh, like he had bombed 420 feet right-handed yeah. today. Yeah. People forget that. Yeah. Hey, Anyways, you want to talk, uh, talk a little Big West? Because I know you've got something you're super excited about that team from uh, Honolulu, Hawaii. So let's get into that. But I'm I'm excited for the Big West, and I'm also excited for um, San Diego. I think they're – I mean, you saw that team go into te- in Austin last weekend, lost a hard-fought series, go to – Back home, beat UC San Diego in the midweek, and then literally came to down to the final out from sweeping Arizona. Like that is mm-hmm. a good team, and it goes to show that's a big win, big series win for Texas, and a show that hey, this San Diego team is legit. Yeah, the San Diego, the Toreros, I they earned a lot of respect for me beating UC San Diego in the midweek, and then following it up with base almost a sweep of Arizona. So you're right. It shows what how good that Texas team is and, and how good San Diego is because they lost some close games to Texas and they did win on Saturday in Austin. So, uh, yeah, you, you bring up a good uh, point you, there. You wanted to take them out of the midweek last week, and I was fighting so hard to keep them in. You're like, dude, we got to take them out. Take oh, them the out. mid-major poll? Right. Yeah, I, I did. I made you take them out. I'm sorry. And I was like, dude, no, this team is good. This team, But it is what it is. The power ranking, you kind of got to give the team early in the year the 3-0 and over a 1-2 and team. That's basically what it came down to. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Hawaii, I think – did they win today? They lost. No, they ended up giving up like seven runs in the seventh inning. Just they're, 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 maybe 2025 they'll host a regional. I want it so bad. Um, but, yeah, the Big West is loaded. Uh, between Long Beach State, who still hasn't lost yet, Fullerton looked pretty good against a really good Fresno State team, um, and then you have Santa Barbara, Northridge, uh, UC Santa Barbara, San Diego. Santa Barbara um, got to get going a little bit. They struggled with Sacramento State um, Friday night, and then they came back and blew them out the next two. But hey, you got to sweep some of these series, especially at coming off that series loss to Campbell. You got to come turn around and sweep to get the doubters off your back. Yeah. And here's a team uh, atop the big West right now. UC Irvine is freaking nasty this year. Like they are an Omaha caliber team. Um, they're just whooping teams. Like they swept Tulane this weekend, uh, at Tulane and they, I mean, they're averaging close to 10 runs a game through seven games now. So they have a big series or a big, Dodger Stadium Classic, whatever, this weekend. San Diego, Michigan, and UCLA. So UC Irvine could really make a statement if they sweep through that tournament. So I'm Ooh, excited about game, next hey, weekend. That Sunday game against UCLA at Dodger Stadium, that might be um, a must-watch television. Um, I think that I think those games are on MLB.com. I don't remember exactly where those games are um, televised, but that is a big series, big weekend. Network picked up one of them. I, I don't. I, I know so. for a fact their Memory Network is broadcasting some of those games because they had some of those guys on that that morning show, the Hot Stove. Um, but I don't know for sure which. I, you got to imagine they're probably going to do the UCLA Michigan game, um, right? But they'll probably do. They'll pick up a Sunday game too. I'm sure. Nice. Um, all right, let's let's get out of here after we preview the mid the midweek. Tuesday's got some good matchups, boys. Um, let's see. So East Carolina at Old Dominion. I know Old Dominion lost two out of three against 
Rutgers, but this is a typical Old Dominion wins the midweek at home spot. So East Carolina has to watch out there. Uh, you also have the big one at four o'clock Eastern. Campbell goes to Coastal Carolina. Must watch TV there. There might be there might be thirty plus runs scored that game. Both teams might score fifteen. You see what Coastal so, did today? Unbelievable. Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> Coastal and Ole Miss were both scoring 22, 23 runs. Like they were going back and forth. In were we games. Were, were we the ones that were concerned about Coastal's bats literally not even six days ago? Not me. Yeah. Me and Ben, no, we and Ben were like, "Ooh, like the balls are not as juice." Man, what a terrible yeah, take! I'll, I'll what a terrible one. take! Terrible take! I said I'll the wear same. That one. I wear it right on the chin. This coastal team didn't miss a beat. They're gonna rake again. The the the, uh, the seven B of Conway, South Carolina, will <laughs> supply the entertainment at the plate. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Two through seven in their order all have the last name that starts with the letter B. Anyways. Uh, San Diego Northridge, that's a good one. South Florida, yep. Florida State. Indiana State at Vanderbilt. Market book it, boys. Indiana, Indiana State, State at Vanderbilt. I think Indiana State won this game last year, if I'm not they mistaken, did. at Vanderbilt. Uh, South Florida at Florida State will be a good one. South Florida sneaky good this year. I'm a big fan of uh, South Florida. Hey, Georgia Southern at Jacksonville. FAU. UCF at FAU. Yeah. UCF looks good. How about Oklahoma State at Dallas Baptist? That was the highlight one. I think that's book it, maybe. That was that, that's what I had maybe highlighted for our next club bro, huh, buddy. Ooh, you want to yeah. do it? Yeah, Tuesday night, 7 30? I think so. I think so. Are you working? Are you working Tuesday night? No, Tuesday I'm off, but I have a game Wednesday. That's why I'm thinking a little Tuesday. Oh, let's do it. Club, club Romaha, Romaha, Tuesday night, night. 7 30. I want to get – here's the thing. I really want to get on the DBU grind, and I think we kind of go like full-blown, like almost fake radio cast, and then we just bring in random people throughout the game. That's what I'm thinking. Big fan of that idea. Let's do it. I'm down. I want to get on the hey, DBU train too that you're on. I got to say one thing. I'm really concerned for the well-being of Cincinnati joining the Big 12. They, <laughs> they look so bad. They are not ready for the Big 12, boys. No, they are not, not ready for what's about to hit them. Yeah, I agree with that. They might not uh, win a game in Big 12 play. I bet I bet they win less yeah, than two games. Yeah, they'll win a couple. Dude, they might win less than three games in Big 12 play. I'm not even kidding. They're going to get a win against Kansas, and they're going to get some random win against some good team. Dude, they might win two games in Big 12 play. <laughs> yeah, they're not good. They're actually very bad. Confirmed not good. Hey, how about Wednesday? We'll, we'll finish the show here after we, we preview Wednesday, but – LSU at Rice at one o'clock on Wednesday. That's awesome. How are they doing going to Rice? Game. Because they're sticking around in the oh, because, because LSU's playing in the Shriners yeah. this weekend. Yeah. And then um, also on Wednesday, Missouri State at Ole Miss. Missouri State's really good. I know they lost two out of three to Southern Miss this weekend, but all three games were great. Back and forth matchups, low scoring. It was great. Evansville at Vanderbilt. So Vanderbilt has Indiana State and Evansville Tuesday, Wednesday. There is no They're way they win one. both, right? They're losing one. They're losing at least one. Uh, Florida Gulf Coast at Miami. I know Gulf Coast records two and five, but they played a pretty tough schedule. Uh, we saw how good they looked against uh, TCU opening weekend. So that's a typical, like Miami loses a midweek to an in-state opponent. That happens all the time. Um, 
Arizona at TCU, seven o'clock Wednesday. How about Louisiana Tech being seven and zero? They play against McNeese on the road. That feels like a trip up spot. Uh, McNeese always Look does that well. Boys are heating up. Yeah, uh, Nichols State at South Alabama, six and one versus seven and one. Uh, that's a good down south Cajun country. Um, good matchup there. And then Long Beach State at UCLA. That's a big one. So some good midweek matchups. Yeah. Starting to feel that starting to feel like that type of year. Here's here's kind of my low key possible upset, like big time upset in the midweek Wednesday. And I know Troy and Coach Mead, they're our boys, but Kent State goes to town in a one and five record, but they've played UNCW and Louisiana Tech uh, in their six games. Kent State's a good program. And they play Troy Tuesday night and Wednesday night. I think Kent State wins one of those two games. I'm going to have to disrespectfully disagree. That's fine. Ditto. Double ditto to D- Dimitri there. Um, that's a terrible take. I, I think you get bounced at a club Omaha for something like that. A little 10-minute timeout for the boy. Someone has to play the heel there, dude. Someone there has to. I, mean, I, I like Kent State. I think they're a good team. They're due for a win. One and five is just not who this team is. They'll are figure you guys offering, they'll win uh, one of the two. Are you guys offering two for one drink special on Tuesday night at Club Bromaha? Dimitri, you're the first one in, buddy. Let's roll. I'm in. I'm in. What is the Tuesday drink special going to be? I feel like we're a are we a fireball pod or anybody that I, we're here's the deal. Similar to a bribery, anyone who will sponsor us. Like I, I'll even go as low as four loco if they want to throw the boys a couple. Hey, of what them. if we do what if we do a flash sale? And on a merch during Club Romaha hour. Yes. Yes. It's Every a happy hour for any idea. It's a happy hour. 20% off during Club Romaha hour. It's a happy hour. And we got to plug it. Go get you a beaver. Defend the dam. <laughs> I love that. I also, I also, we, we did introduce the guarantee um, during Club Romaha. It's an idea that I'll continue to, to ravel off of. I will, we'll, we'll build in check like once Club Romaha hits a thousand subscriptions, I will live in Club Romaha piss my pants. Two thousand, I will do. So, we'll figure something out, a different check mark. But Ben, I have an idea. When you were talking, okay, about Jerry, okay, Jersey Jerry, is that a deal? Is he he pisses his pants? He pissed his pants live on the middle no. of the basketball court. Well, I did that. I started. No, I didn't start it. My my one of my best friends, Cooper Maroka, developed the guarantee. Were you in Club Roma for that, Dimitri? I heard about it when the dugout was screaming guarantee. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the guarantee is is if I looked at Ben and I said, Ben, I know you're a Big Ten fan. I think a CAA is better than the Big Ten. Mm. I I know it's borderline. It's a borderline take, but anyway, let's let's wrap this yeah, thing up before we go off no, the rails here. I need Dimitri to, to end this thing with a bang, a bang. If I think that the CA is better than the Big Ten or than the Big Ten. This weekend, we have the opportunity to find out if Ben Upton wants to travel up to Charleston, South Carolina. I'll put him on the broadcast while I'm in Houston. I'm almost willing to guarantee that the Cougars split with Nebraska or win. Is it a four-game series? Four-game set, Thursday through Sunday. I'm almost willing to guarantee that the Cougs take two. If they don't wait, oh, wait, wait. This, okay, I'll, I'll make a guarantee with you. But somebody has to win three out of four or sweep. A two, like Two to two, nothing happens. 
Yeah, yeah, but but that's the beauty of the guarantee is that it's not a bet. It's not a two-way street. I'm just saying that I guarantee that the Cougs walk away. Oh, with- okay. So not a bet. Oh, you- no, no, not a bet. Unless you'd like, we can figure out a friendly wager. Like, you know, you know, no, I'll I, bet. I'll, I'll do what you say. Like, I think this is a good. So you're saying if the Cougs don't win two games against Nebraska, yeah, you'll piss your pants. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. I love that guarantee. What What are we doing? This is, this is Club Bromaha stuff. This is not 11.7 Sunday recap content right here. <laughs> well, we're, I think we're people are loving this right now. We're previewing what's to come, Demetri. There's a big set. College of Charleston 7-0. I think Nebraska's got some doubters to prove wrong. This is a good matchup. This is going to be sneaky, one of the better matchups, I think, in the country this weekend. Should I do the broadcast? Should I hop on? Should I hop on the, uh, the broadcast and – I think I might do it. Yeah. You're almost making me want to go. We could do it together, but we'll have plenty. No, you need to be in Houston. You need to be in Houston this week. Um, Anyways, we kind of got off the rails there at the end. Um, Let's wrap up the show right there. Incredible week two. On to week three. Join Club Roma. It'll be 7.30 to 8 o'clock, probably 8 o'clock Eastern, Tuesday night, so 7 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Pacific. We'll be on live streaming the, the midweek madness, taking listener uh, chat questions. We'll do it all. It'll be fun. Hey, there will be a promo code for 20% off all merch in the Club Bromaha stream. You have to be there to get the promo code, and then you can go get whatever you want from the merch. Um, but the promo code will be in Club Bromaha exclusive. So yes. see you guys Tuesday night. I might make an appearance. Praise God.